Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Front Porch Tailgate. I'm Michael Scott. And I'm Byron Hazley. Welcome to the 68th episode of the podcast. That's right. We have a great show lined up for you guys today. Byron, happy Thanksgiving, my man. Happy Thanksgiving. We've got a special Thanksgiving episode, and I jumped about 10 ahead. This is actually episode 58. Um, You know, I was wondering about that. (laughs) But digressing back, Mike, I'm happy to be on with you. Uh, It's been a nice week for me. I've been off, but it's been a long week being off with two kids under four, so it's been fun, but also a challenge. Um, I had way too much turkey today. I was on the struggle bus, almost called in to push the podcast. You know what? I, I, I thought about it for a second, right? Because I was like, man, we could just do this thing Friday morning. But then I was like, you know, I came up with a great opening topic. We're going to get to all that. But here's the thing, Byron. I got to tell you the secret, okay? I'm not a dad, so I really don't you know, know exactly what you go through. I have an idea. Uh, But on those weeks off, as you get older, I think what you're going to have to learn and understand that sometimes you just got to send the kids to grandpa and grandma's house. (laughs) Well, that's where my (laughs) oldest is there right now. He stayed there. Yeah. You got to get that night off dinner. So got to get that night off. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, Turkey was good today, Mike. You know, um, I'm stuffed, Byron, so I'm giving it a minute to let that settle. Um, I had a lot of gravy. I always load it up with gravy when I'm getting my plate. But uh, today we're going to talk about uh, some of the NFL Thanksgiving Day games and uh, some of the teams involved with those. We're also going to drift over uh to the afc north discuss uh what's going on with some of the teams over there um down the stretch here and then also what we're going to discuss is the uh first uh release of the college football college playoff football playoff rankings that were released i'm sorry um the other day so we got quite a bit of football to talk about here on thanksgiving uh, and I don't think anything else would make it much better than that. Very exciting. Very exciting. I'm going to pause this real quick, okay? One. So, Byron, while you're opening your beer and you're enjoying that and taking the edge off because I know it's been a long week for you, I want the people out there uh, to understand that we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, Thanksgiving Day football games. We're going to talk a little bit about the teams and what's going on with them in the AFC North as we approach the stretch run of the season headed towards the playoffs. And we're also going to talk about the uh, initial release of the uh, college football playoff rankings. So we got quite a bit to dive into. I don't think it'll take us all day, but I'm excited. What about you? Oh, very excited. Let's get it going.
All right. Well, without further ado, I guess my first question to you is, Byron, after watching the um, the early game and the late game, uh, the Detroit Lions uh, took a big L today against the Houston Texans, and then the Dallas Cowboys got, uh, I guess you would say, blown out by the Washington Redskins. Uh What's worse, being a Detroit Lions fan or being a Dallas Cowboys fan? Lions fan, for sure. And the reason why I say Lions fan is because at least in their lifetime, for the majority of Dallas Cowboys fans that are adults, they've seen a championship, right? They've Mm -hmm. actually seen multiple championships. They've seen their team in the Super Bowl. Detroit Lions fans have never seen that. If they are, they're 60-plus, you know, 60, 65-plus, you know. It's been Mm -hmm. a long time. In the Super Bowl era, the Lions have never been. They won a championship when it was the NFL championship. So, uh, absolutely, the Detroit Lions are putrid. Um, It's rough to watch. I'm almost off. I'm almost done at this point. You're almost giving up. Yeah. Like you're getting I'm ready to wash your hands clean. Full-blown Chiefs fan at oh, this point. No. It, and, you know, it, it's not shocking to hear you say that because if you look all over your social media accounts and you run down your timeline, a majority of your friends have already adopted other teams from around the country, right? There's Absolutely. There's not a lot of Detroit Lions fans loyalists left, you know, um, especially among the younger generation. And then it is because they've never, ever won anything. And we've had for years now coaching hire after coaching hire after coaching hire after coaching hire after coaching hire go south. And at a certain point, you know, something's something's got to give here, right? Because I don't know if you got a chance to watch the game fully today. I know I did. And uh, what I saw out there was a team um, that was completely unprepared to play football against the Houston Texans, right? I mean, they came out, you know, a couple of quick turnovers, things like that, you know, put the Lions playing from behind right from the initial jump, right? Mm -hmm. Then the teams kind of traded scores for a few. And then after that, all of a sudden it looked like Deshaun Watson, Will Fuller, and some of those other Texans receivers were uh, running the air raid offense out there. You know, Detroit secondary was basically non-existent, you know. And I guess digressing back to the initial question, what's worse being a Lions fan or being a Cowboys fan? Um, I, I really don't know because as a Lions fan, I go into every Sunday believing we're probably going to lose or we don't have a chance to win. I feel like Cowboys fans are constantly under this false notion that they actually have a chance to win every single Sunday. But hold on. Let me ask you this. As a Lions fan, don't don't you feel, though, at some point during most games, you feel like, all right, we got a shot to win and then they just rip your heart out from you at some point during the game. There was a certain point in time when it'd be like the third quarter and be like, okay, here we go. Like, we got a chance to win this game. But after watching what I've watched over the past year and a half with Matt Patricia, no. Every time someone walks into work or 
you know, I come across a game and see the Lions are winning, you know, whatever situation it may be, you know, some guy, young guy walked into work last week and said, hey, the Lions are winning right now, you know, and I, and I was like, yeah, well, they'll lose. Like, they'll find a way to screw it up. See, but you're that, see, now you're off the ledge, though. Most Lions fans are not off the ledge. They go in every Sunday hoping for the best. At this point, you're to the point where you're over it, right, Mike? I'm, I'm, I'm over it. I, I, don't, I don't believe, you know, that they have a chance of winning anything ever. Like, here's the thing, right? So what the Lions and Dallas Cowboys are are two teams that do an incredible job of selling an off-field product. On an annual basis, they have, you know, in Dallas, an owner, here in uh, Detroit right now, we have a GM and we have a coach who've done an impressive and unbelievable, unbelievably incredible job of selling hope, right? Right. They have sold so much hope. You know, we've been told for how many years now the Lions are on their way to becoming the New England Patriots of the NFC, and uh, we're still waiting. Mm-hmm and we're being told to be patient. And then on the other hand, you have the Dallas Cowboys who are under the false misconception that every single offseason they are transforming into a Super Bowl contender. And what you have on field that is an on-field product each and every Sunday is two teams that roll out an absolutely vomit-inducing performance that crushes your soul breaks your heart steals away your hopes and dreams rips them up and they vanish into thin air right and honestly i don't know how much more i can take as a lions fan just like you you're ready to wash your hands clean and go all in on the chiefs i'm out here in search of a team i don't even know who i'd roll with i like i like the seahawks at times but you know i just some lions vibes at times yeah, I mean, look Don't at that they. defense. Look at that defense, you know. <laughs> How do I rally behind that? You know, I love me some Russell Wilson, but good Lord, oh, the way man. they've been playing lately, you know. Yeah. And then uh, I'm just lost as a – I'm lost as a NFL football fan. I don't know where to go from here. There's so many other storylines. I mean, Tom Brady is my hero. This guy's looking like he's two games away from – some devastating injury or a five interception game, you know, that's just going to break my heart. And I, uh, I just don't know Byron what <laughs> else I can do at this point. Yeah. But I guess, so I guess digressing back, I mean, just hearing your sentiment here, it, it's clear. You, the answer to your question is clear. It's the lions, like the Cowboys, they've get like, they do, their fan base does have this false hope that they're going to win a championship every year. But the reality of the product on the field is mediocre. Yeah, they've had some strong winning seasons, but at the end of the day, they've won three Super Bowls in the last 30 years. Right. The Lions, you can they've probably been to the playoffs three times in the last 30 years. Right. You know, 
here's my main problem with the sports now. I'm not a fantasy guy, right? Yeah. When I was younger, like let's take baseball for example, I liked watching good hitters. Like I loved to watch Barry Bonds because he was a good hitter. You know, mm-hmm. I like watching good players. I can a- appreciate their play. You know, um, but I was always a homer. You know, I always rooted for the Red Wings, the Tigers, the Lions, the Pistons. You know, Michigan basketball, Michigan football, right? And I'll even root for Michigan State basketball when they're playing. But now I'm at a point where besides Michigan State basketball, what do I have? I got nothing out here. You know, I don't do fantasy, okay? I don't get up for that. And 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 the the spread, I guess you would call it, on Thanksgiving Day mm-hmm. of Michigan professional and college sports teams. The talent and the winning, it has run extremely dry. And at 32 years old, I'm starting to wonder if I'll ever see another winner again in the city of Detroit. And it's frustrating because I can't seem to let go and get myself up and will myself towards going and joining another fan base, right? So I don't know what to do right now. I'm beside myself. And each and every week I watch the Lions, I become more beside myself. Where basically as a sports fan, I'm suffering from an identity crisis. Well, Mike, it sounds like it's time for you to join the fake sports world and join fantasy. They got fake football. They've got fake basketball, fake hockey, fake baseball, whatever you want, whatever sports out there, you can do it. They've got fake golf. You can even do daily fantasy sports. They've got everything that you need, Mike, to fulfill that void that you have there, that winner's mentality, because you're not getting it in Detroit, and I'm going to be honest with you, I have no idea when it's going to come. Yeah, we we all have no idea when it's going to come. I mean, you know how – do you know how frustrating is it is to go on the internet and look at all these nice jerseys you could buy, but you just can't pull the trigger? <laughs> and then you go look at a Lions jersey, and then you're like, well, he's probably not going to be there next year. Oh, man. You know, it's a rough, rough time. It's rough. I'm slipping into sports fandom depression. Yeah. Well, let me wheel you back in here. Let's pivot a little bit here, Mike. Um, and talk a little AFC North. All right. All right. So let's start things off. There's We've plenty got, of teams over there I'd be willing to adopt. Right. Uh, let's talk about a couple of them. So we've got the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. They're supposed to be facing off with the Ravens. The game was supposed to be tonight, Thanksgiving Day night. It's been now pushed to Sunday. Ruined Thanksgiving. running rampant with the Ravens. Uh, recently, most recent news notifying us that Lamar Jackson has now tested positive. So I think at this point, this entire game's probably likely in question. They may force the Ravens to forfeit at this point. Yeah, I'm shocked that because Lamar Jackson's now out and they're missing the whole, you know, running back room that they haven't, you know, canceled this game yet. You know, and uh, I don't. I'm a little. I'm a little disappointed because I was really looking forward to a Thanksgiving where I was able to watch the NFL all day late into the night. You know, I've been working a lot of Sundays lately. I haven't been able to watch all the games. And, uh, yeah, COVID-19 
just like it has all of 2020 had to go ruin that for us. And uh, here we are with a team that's undefeated, potential Super Bowl contender, probably the only team that's got an honest shot of beating the Kansas City Chiefs. And then you got the Baltimore Ravens over here who, let's face it, they're not quite the same team they were last year, right? Um, Ben Roethlisberger, you know, hats off to him, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, A lot of people, you know, have been uh, skeptical. I'm having so much trouble with my words today, but skeptical of his performance this year. But let's face it, he puts his team in a position to win each and every week. He's playing with a fantastic defense. It's a guy that's been there and done it before. He's surely going to be NFL's comeback player of the year, no doubt in my mind. What are your thoughts on Big Ben and the Steelers? Yeah, he's been very impressive. Uh, he's had, well, I, you know, he's been up and down, but as of late, he's really started to get it going, right? It took him a little while to knock the rust off. Uh, he's got some very great weapons around him, some weaponry. Um but Big Ben's been impressive. He's led that team. That defense has really led that team. That's a very tenacious defense. They're number one in the NFL um, in overall defense, takeaways, both interceptions and fumble force. Mm-hmm. Uh, very impressive team. Um, but Big Ben, he he plays a huge factor in it, you know. Took mm-hmm. him a while to get going, but I've been impressed, you know. He's an older guy. What is he, 38, 37, 38, somewhere yeah. in there. I, I, wrote a, I, wrote a, I wrote a column a few weeks ago. Um, he's not an elite quarterback, right? Hasn't been for a very long time. <laughs> At least, you know, a year or so, dating before his injury. but Until A.B. left, yeah, pre when he had A.B. He's still good enough to win. He's still good enough for the Steelers to win a Super Bowl. In a year where he wouldn't have to outscore an opponent like the Chiefs, I would say yes. But if they run into the Chiefs, it's going to be a problem for them. Listen, I I like the Chiefs, okay? I think they're a fantastic football team. I mean, each and every week they go out there, just like the Raiders game, you think they're going to lose, bam, downfield they win, right? Yeah. But I don't think the Chiefs are the Chiefs of last season. And last season, they were a Super Bowl team. Now, I think they are a very good football team. I think they definitely are going to go deep in these playoffs. But I think they got their work cut out for them when they collide with that steel curtain defense. You care to uh, put a steak dinner on that? Byron, we got so many steak dinners that they're running out of cows. What's another one? What's Let's another one? We could, I mean, we can do a steak. No, we're not doing a chicken dinner. We'll do a steak dinner. <laughs> I've uh, found a really good place for steaks. <laughs> I, I I bought one a couple weeks ago, and uh, I thought it yesterday. I had steak and eggs for breakfast yesterday. There you go. It was fantastic. Well, di- digressing back to the AFC North, uh, we've got a steak dinner on this. Steelers, Chiefs. Um, Mm -hmm. so we'll take that. I'll take that to the bank, but digressing back to the AFC North, I like the Steelers to your point. I feel that they are, uh, contenders for the championship. Absolutely. Based on that defense and Mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, the rest of the NFL 
is not that impressive outside of a couple handful of teams. So yeah. they're definitely in the mix. Do I think you can't forget about guys to be like- fearful of as an undefeated team? Absolutely not. But I do think that they're a very competitive team. You got to think, too, you got Chase Claypool out there having one terrific year. He's leading all NFL rookies in touchdowns, at least maybe before Antonio Gibson played today. I'm not sure what his total is up to now, Uh, but he's been on fire as well for the Redskins. But let's talk about the Bengals. I know we talked about the Ravens at great great length last week. Um, Joe Burrow is out for the rest of the year. uh, Crushing blow torn ACL, MCL. He was leading the league in completions. Uh, he was pacing to be the uh, have the best rookie season for a quarterback since Andrew Luck. And uh, that obviously was all stripped away when he went down last weekend. Uh, what you saw after that was a lot of questions about the offensive line who's been absolutely terrible this year. Um, Byron, their coach, head coach Zach Taylor, um, was I wouldn't say uh, beside himself. He was actually unapologetic about the fact that the team hasn't done a great job of protecting Joe Burrow this year. And I just want to get your reaction to that. What were your thoughts upon hearing that news? Well, to be honest with you, I don't know how fit Zach Taylor is to be the head coach of the Bengals. Um, If you think about, how he was hired for that position. He was the offensive coordinator for a Rams team that went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Patriots. Uh, He was an offensive coordinator that did not call plays. The head coach, Sean McVay, calls the plays for the Rams. So to me, and that alone, he's not fit for the promotion Mm -hmm. that he received, right? Um, But then you start thinking about the – the Bengals. Since he's been there, that offensive line has been atrocious, and they haven't addressed it. And this is his second year. You would think from year one, seeing what he saw, to year two, mm-hmm. that he would try to revamp that offensive line, and they haven't, especially with the fact that they spent the 1.1, the number one overall pick in the draft, on a quarterback. You want to protect your investment. And that's right. something that they were unable to do. And, you know, it's almost a fireable offense in my mind. De- definitely. I com- I completely agree with you. And here's the thing. I wrote a column the other day about how the Cincinnati Bengals organization as a whole has uh, failed to protect Joe Burrow in 2020. I would think if you're Zach Taylor, a uh, second-year head coach with no other coaching experience, uh, if you're the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, I would have to think your two goals this season would be one, to protect and develop um, Joe Burrow, and then the second one would be able would be to uh, get him ready to become your quarterback of the future. You know, he's he's the uh, franchise quarterback. You know, you got to protect your investment, and uh, what you have is musical chairs on the offensive line. You've dealt with a handful of injuries, and uh, you've dealt with an, a large abundance of. Uh, subpar play Joe Burrow was hit over 70 times so far this year and sacked I believe 36 times somewhere in that range and uh really you're trying to get this guy killed out there you know bludgeoned on a week-to-week basis he's just getting rocked you know and uh it's like 
you're the Cincinnati Bengals, and it's like you got the meat wagon waiting right outside the tunnel because, you know, sooner or later this guy was going to go down. And it happened. So it's a real unfortunate situation, Mike. But um, I think they've got, from a skill position set, I think they're set up well. They've got a young nucleus and a Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon and Joe Burrow. I think they'll be good from a offensive skill set position, and they just need to now work on that offensive line. They need to spend, you know, two, three picks on offensive linemen, get out, get some free agent offensive linemen. They got T. Higgins too. Yeah, T. Higgins as well. Absolutely. They'll be oh yeah, this, on this is a team green. whose number one priority going into the offseason through the draft and through free agency should be to protect Joe Burrow. Yeah. You know, the coach came out and he said that he fully expects Joe Burrow to be ready to go for the 2021 season. Well, that's fantastic. The guy's knee right now is torn apart like a car engine. And uh, I'm sure he fully expects you to put someone around him to protect him because he's laying in a Cincinnati hospital bed somewhere, you know, absolutely wondering why hasn't the franchise already taken the steps to protect me? Absolutely. So, I mean, he was very vocal this year saying that he hates losing. He's never had a losing season in his life, and he wasn't enjoying uh, basically what was going on in Cincinnati. So You, you know how big of a – sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. No, I was going to say Joe's an extreme competitor, so I anticipate he'll be ready to go next year once he's back to health. But who knows, with the way his knee was torn up – I don't know if he will be ready because when you have an MCL tear, that has mm-hmm. to heal on its own. Right. His knee suffered significant damage. And it's unfortunate because, you know, as well as our listeners, Byron, I'm a huge, huge Joe Burrow fan. Absolutely. You know, I've considered buying a Joe Burrow jersey, but I can't, I can't uh, get, pull myself to uh, buy a jersey with tiger stripes on it. <laughs> it's the only reason i haven't committed yet oh man that's awesome i feel like tiger stripes are for the ladies you know oh come on man all right so the Bengals, better luck next year they'll be in the top five of the draft so let's move on to the last team the cinderella i would say of the nfl right now the cleveland browns oh yeah well You know, Byron, there was a lot of talk about the roster on paper. The Cleveland Browns have a very good running game right now. They have a good coach uh, who's done great things in Minnesota in the past few years with that running game, with the play-action pass. And uh, Baker Mayfield's not doing too bad. He's getting the job done right now. You know, and I I think – go ahead. I was going to say, I would say Baker Mayfield is a game manager at this point. But that's okay. That's okay for me. I don't need a superstar quarterback in a passing league because in a passing league, if you don't have Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers or one of the top few quarterbacks, you don't have a snowball's in house chance of winning, right? So if you're going to win, you got to go against the grain and be good at doing something else. And what the Cleveland Browns are extremely good at is running the football. It takes the time off the clock. It keeps the ball out of guys like Patrick Mahomes' hands, and it gives you a chance to win football games. So I'm okay with Baker Mayfield being 
a game manager. And I th- think he's done very well since uh, we, he's lost Odell Beckham Jr. So I'll, I guess I'm not going to try to lay into the guy because we are speaking highly of the Cleveland Browns. They are seven and three. But if you draft a guy number one overall, Heisman Trophy winner, you're not bringing him in to be a game manager. They had to reduce him to a game manager in order to win football games. And And they built up that offensive line. They spent money on that offensive line last offseason, and they said, we're going to feed Nick Chubb, we're going to feed Kareem Hunt, and we're going to let the chips fall where they may. But, Byron, that's okay. We've seen instances in the NFL where game managers have won Super Bowls. I mean, you got to think of Brad Johnson with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, you got to think of Eli Manning when he was with the Giants. He was a game manager. He wasn't no superstar. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Eli carried them to the championship. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. I would say their defensive line carried them to the championship. Well, we can go I mean, I can pull up stats and numbers and tell you because Eli was hot. That's how they won those championships. Yeah, but you you think Baker Mayfield is not gonna get either. I'm talking about I'm talking about a whole season, right? when I'm talking about this game manager and here's the thing about the game manager thing. I don't got a problem with game manager. Hell Tom Brady is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And he's pretty much been a game manager most of his career. Right. Aside from a hot five years, you know, but Hey, look at it this way. When you think of a draft and a quarterback first overall, a lot of times you got guys that have bust potential, right? And the NFL has gotten better at drafting quarterbacks first overall in the past probably 10 to 15 years. And the reason why I think you're seeing that is because a lot of teams are now starting to build their offensive playbooks around that quarterback and their skill set. You have to remember, when they used to bring these guys out of college, they'd try to install them into a pro-style scheme, and what you had year after year after year was bust before you'd hit on one every three or four or five years. So I'm just going to – give you some quick stats on Baker and we can move on from him and we can talk about the Browns defense. So he's 27th in the league in passing yards. Okay. 15th in touchdown passes, 17th in interceptions with seven and his QBR is Mm 66.3. So he's 17th. So he's very mediocre at best. He's, he's replacement level at this point. Um, So that's all I wanted to call out is that I've been a bit disappointed that Baker has been reduced to a game manager because when he first got there, that was not what you saw from Baker, but due to his poor play and execution, they elected to go this path and build the team this way. Definitely. You know, that's good coaching. I mean, if you got to, if you got a franchise quarterback, and I say franchise quarterback in quotations, who's not capable of excelling at the professional level, then you have to go a different route and build your team around the run. I mean, Baker Mayfield, you know, everyone saw him get off to that incredibly hot start when he entered the NFL, you know, but at the same time, not long after that, there was a lot of uh, a lot of uh, talk that that was a direct product of the uh, Browns playing an extremely weak schedule his rookie year. Potentially, 
absolutely because i mean they've been in the gutter for years but i mean i don't want to take away from what this team is doing right now they they have been exceptional to say the least like i said they're in the wild card right now they're in one of the wild card spots and to be honest with you i hope they stay in it because i like the browns i think they're exciting seeing nick chubb chug on down that field you know kareem hunt hopping over cats left and right you got miles garrett the helmet slinger he's out there leading the league in sacks you know these guys are taking care of business on a weekend week out def- uh weekend week out basis stout defense strong running game and they're getting it done seven and three. Oh yeah baby um so let me ask you this did the browns play the steelers or the Ravens so, before the end of the season again? Because that will be the true test. Yes, they actually played them both. So they play the Jaguars this week, then they play the Titans, okay. then the Ravens, then the Giants, then the, Steel- then the Jets, and they end the season with the Steelers at home. So they've got, I would say, really three big games of the six remaining um, and don't count out that Giants game either. They've been playing very well lately. They have been playing well, very staunch defensively, um, and they've been running the ball a lot better. So, yeah, absolutely. We'll see what these Browns are made of down the stretch because they're going to have to earn it. Definitely, definitely. So let's switch up gears here. You know, we talked a lot of NFL. Uh, we talked AFC North. We talked Thanksgiving Day. We talked turkey. We talked beer. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the college football playoff rankings. Uh, Those were released last week. Byron, do you have those there for us? Absolutely. So I'll just do what you want, the top five. Yeah, let's throw the top. Let's. What do they release initially, like the top five or the top eight? You know, They do the top 25. Well, let's do the top eight. Okay, let's do the top eight. So I'll go eight to one. So at number eight, you have Northwestern. They're five and zero. Oh. Number seven, you have Cincinnati. They are eight and zero. Oh. Uh, number six, you have Florida. They are six and one. Uh, number five, you have Texas A and M. They they are five and one. Uh, you have Ohio State at number four. They are four and zero. Oh. You have Clemson at number three. They are seven and one. You have Notre Dame. At number two, they are eight and zero, oh. and then you have Alabama at number one. They are seven and zero. Oh. It's it's interesting because there's not as many games this year, and we're already in the thick of the uh, conference races, right? And you had the Big Ten come on late. Uh, honestly, Byron, I don't know whether or not I see the top four even changing the rest of the year. Instead, of, unless Alabama takes a big loss, you know, to. Uh, uh, Auburn in that rivalry game this weekend. I don't know if I see Clemson losing again. I don't think I'll see Notre Dame losing again. So Clemson and then got Ohio Dame, State. Sorry to interrupt you. I just wanted to say so Clemson and Notre Dame they're on a path to play each other for the ACC championship game, and I right. think that's going to be essentially a play-in game for the playoffs because I think if Notre Dame loses. They're not getting it because Why? they went to they went to overtime with Clemson's backup quarterback. See, I don't know if you can just gauge that 
off of the fact that Trevor Lawrence didn't play because what we're told on a regular basis is how good Dabo Swinney is and how good the Clemson program is as a whole. To sit here and think that this team is nothing more than uh, a team that, you know, flies high with Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion, would be a complete uh, misconception to what we've all been led to believe about this program. And I know you and I talked about this a few weeks ago after the loss because we mentioned Clemson's had a lot of success for um, a long time, but they've also had very consistent quarterback play with Deshaun Watson for four years and then Trevor Lawrence. And it'll be interesting to see what exactly they are if, in fact, they don't have um, a potential number one NFL draft pick quarterbacking their team in the future. Right, absolutely. And I think – I think that may become, you know, as long as Trevor Lawrence is able to stay healthy, I think they're going to, that's going to become a reality. And mm-hmm. I do think that's going to ultimately be a playing game. I really can't see them letting a one loss Notre Dame team in. Um, but we'll see because you know how the college football playoff uh, committee has a love affair with the SEC. Yes, and, and, and they should because it's the most difficult conference to win in in the country. I mean, from top to bottom, it's the deepest conference. Week in and week out, you're not usually getting uh, an easy game, right? You're playing a team that has a legitimate chance of beating you each and every week if you make mistakes. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. What team – that's on the outside looking in, do you see making a push for the college, final college football playoff rankings to actually get into the tournament of four? Oh, boy. Um, I think it would have to be someone that gets left out of the SEC championship, right? Because if someone plays Alabama and they get a one-loss team, plays Alabama, I think that would be who? Florida? You're going to see Florida come in through the other side. Right. So I think Texas A&M is going to be sitting at home, and so I think they may be able to back in if Notre Dame loses to Clemson. And they're in a good position right now. Absolutely. If they can continue to win out. Absolutely. So if they're able to do that, win out, uh, their last two games have been postponed, so they play LSU this week. Um, they play Auburn the first week of December, and then Tennessee. So if that all plays out, they win those games, then I anticipate that they have a great opportunity to back in. Let's throw this scenario out there. Let's sure. say the Crimson Tide, who are minus Saban this weekend because he's got COVID-19 stuff going on again. Right. Let's say that the Crimson Tide actually goes out and loses to Auburn. We've seen it before, like an Auburn team shock an Alabama team in a rivalry game, knock them out of the national championship picture. Do you think there's a possibility of that happening again? And if so, what do you think the landscape becomes in college football? No, so the reason why that won't play itself out is because in those years prior, Auburn's been able to get themselves into 
the SEC championship game, right, based mm-hmm. on beating them. They can't do that this year because they have two conference losses. Mm. Alabama doesn't have any. So if they win, you know, they mm. basically – I mean, if they win, they would need someone else to beat Alabama, and then right. they would have an opportunity because then they would own the tiebreaker. But right now, Alabama owns the tiebreaker over anyone in the division. Gotcha. So if they lost uh, – to Auburn this weekend, we'd still need Florida to come through the other side and beat them in the SEC championship to knock Alabama out of the playoff. Yeah, but there's another game next week for the SEC. I know typically this is the last game of the season in the SEC, the Iron mm-hmm. Bowl, as they call it, Auburn versus Alabama. Mm-hmm. However, I believe Alabama has another game next week. Uh, they absolutely do. So they play Arkansas next week. So they would need Arkansas to pull off a miracle, um, and then they would Arkansas have Arkansas played some tight games against some big teams this year. Yeah, they have, but they usually end up with the short end of the stick, unfortunately. Ru- rumor has it Darren McFadden is returning <laughs> to the sidelines to join the first-team offense this weekend against the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide. Good luck with those knees, my man. Good luck. And, and there's also reports that even Felix Jones has been contacted to possibly return. <laughs> <laughs> who, who was next you're going to tell me that Ryan Mallett's suiting up at quarterback? This Justin <laughs> from ESPN's Adam Schefter, Ryan Mallett. Yeah. Intrigued, right, so, intrigued by what he heard on the front porch tailgate this evening. There we go. Also considering a return to the Razorbacks. No, but all joking aside, uh, it'll be interesting to see how the next couple weeks shake out, you know, right. and uh, it's just nice to think that in these uh, times with COVID-19 that we've managed to continue trekking forward, continued to uh keep the season going and that we're actually going to get a college football playoff and an eventual national championship because back in August or September, there were a lot of questions that that might not even be a possibility. Absolutely. And, you know, just to digress here, one other team that has an opportunity to get in that slipped my mind, Oregon. So I think Oregon's got an opportunity to get in. They're probably going to run the table in the Pac-12 and get an opportunity to get in at 7-0. and You know I love Oregon. I just don't know if that's going to happen because of the fact they started so late. I just don't know. Yeah. No, I hear you. They've got, um, they've got three more games left, so they've got the Civil, the Civil War this week against Oregon State. Then they play Cal. Then they play Washington. So those are three very winnable games for them. Let's and be honest. It'd be nice to see them in the college football playoff. Yeah, I mean, I mean they're, so the, Mario Cristobal's the coach. He was, I believe, the former, uh, not offensive coordinator, but I think he was the former offensive line coach and lead recruiter for the Alabama Crimson Tide at one point. Mm-hmm. And he's, which is nice because the, the Ducks were always more of a uh, speed and finesse team, obviously, under Chip Kelly out west, and he's really brought that SEC mentality to Eugene and that physicality, and it would match up nicely with some of the recruits he's brought in across the line the past few years. Absolutely. So, I mean, we'll ultimately see where everything nets out. Um, 
But it'll be exciting over these next couple of weeks, as you stated. End of November, start of December, very exciting times. You know what else was exciting, Byron? Last week's picks. Ooh, not for me. I was 0 for 7, plus I lost my lock of the week. Thanks, Patriots. But Mike, on the other hand, expanded his lead. He is now up five games. He was up one last week. He went four for seven, and he's now up five games, uh, hitting at a 59% mark of success on wins. Where 59%, huh? Yeah, I'm now sitting at if, 50%. If I manage to cross the 65% threshold this week, because I'm feeling pretty good about what I'm looking at right now over here, if I manage to cross the 65% threshold, I want to know which one of you listeners out there is going to come pick me up and take me to Vegas <laughs> because I am starting to heat up baby eating up here we go well let's jump right in with our picks for this week uh the first game of the week we're going to start with the michigan wolverines they are hosting the penn state nittany lions uh the wolverines are minus two mike who are you taking uh penn state hasn't won a game yet that is correct and I think it's time that they're due to win one because oh. Michigan football is awful. They barely beat Rutgers last weekend. They've been terrible all season long. And I'm not going to get my hopes up on a couple of good quarters of quarterback play by Cade McNamara, okay? I'm just not going to do it. So I'm, I'm going with the Penn State and the points. They got to win at some point. They're not that bad. They can't be. <laughs> I am going minus two with Michigan. I'm taking the Mac man, the Mac man minus two. He was a lightning rod for that offense. They haven't looked that good since Shea Patterson last year. Oh my God. That's not saying much. That's not saying much. Oh goodness. So I'm taking them minus the two. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Uh, let's move on here. Let's move to, uh, up to Spartan Stadium, they're hosting number eight Northwestern. Northwestern's minus thirteen. Mike, who are you taking? I'm taking Northwestern minus thirteen all day long. Yeah. Michigan State has serious issues with uh, competitiveness. I mean, their coach in the recent weeks has actually called their players out, like saying, "Hey, if you want to be here, you need to act like it." Essentially. Uh, I don't think Michigan State's going to do anything against a really good Northwestern football team. Yeah, so I think that quote that you're talking about was taken a bit out of context. He was just stating that. I don't think it was. I think it was a direct challenge. Let me finish. Let me finish. Because he shortly stated right after that, he was asked a follow-up question, is that an issue that you're facing? He said, no, it is not. He's just made it clear to his players that if you don't give effort, you will not be here. We will move on without you. Right. This is college football. We got to compete here. They got to show some fire, some passion. Absolutely. You, know, you got to spill some blood out there on that field. You can't just be going out there, putting on the jersey, and expecting to win like the poor here on Northern football team in the 90s. Come on now. Absolutely. So with that said, though, Mike, I am going to take Northwestern minus the 13. Uh, Michigan State has not been able to move the ball, and Northwestern's got a very good defense this year. So it's going to be a long day for them Saturday afternoon. Um, 
let's move on here. We're going to move right into the Iron Bowl uh, with Auburn, number 22, Auburn traveling to number one, Alabama, who will play without Nick Saban. They are minus 24 and a half. Mike, who are you taking? You know, Byron, it's extremely difficult because often it seems like Auburn gets Alabama to buy into their game, which becomes a power game versus power game. But Alabama's a passing team the past few years, and uh, they've had very good quarterback play from Mac Jones, and I don't think they're dumb enough to change what's been working for them this year. And I think if it's not broke, you don't fix it. And Alabama has been very good. I'm going to take Alabama minus 24.5. It's a large large spread, but I'd like to believe they're going to cover it. So I'm going to go on the opposite end of the spectrum here. I'm going to take Auburn plus the 24 and a half. Um, That's just a really big spread, to be honest with you. Uh, And it's a huge rivalry game. No Nick Saban. Give me Auburn plus 24 and a half. Maybe Cam Newton can suit up for him. Uh, moving what on. Is with, what is game. with you and Cam Newton? He no, I mean, he's garbage. the best. He's the best player to ever play for uh, Auburn outside of Bo Jackson, right? So say, he's the guy on. that comes straight top of mind, right? Uh, so moving on here, we've got number two Notre Dame traveling to North Carolina, number nineteen North Carolina. Notre Dame is minus five and a half on the road. Mike, who are you taking here? This is tough because North Carolina's got a very, very good quarterback, and they're playing at home, they're playing under Mac Brown, who's certainly coached teams in a lot of big games, and this is a big game. And besides the Clemson game, this really might be the biggest game of the year for the Notre Dame fighting Irish. Mm-hmm. And giving five and a half points to North Carolina as the favorite and one of the top teams in the country doesn't seem so bad, but at the same time, I've seen instances where North Carolina can put up a lot of points quick. And with them playing at home, I think I'm going to take North Carolina. I think this game's going to be close. I'm going to take the points. I think Notre Dame wins straight up in the end, but I'll take the five and a half. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, North Carolina has an explosive offense. And I think it's going to turn into a track meet. So give me North Carolina plus the five and a half. I don't think they're going to lose by uh, a full touchdown. So give me North Carolina. So I just wanted to check in with you here for a second. I went and took a look at Odd Odd Shark. Um, It's one of the services I referenced to, you know, for some insight when I'm picking these games. Okay. Odd Shark right now has – the Alabama Crimson Tide at five and two against the spread this year, and the Tigers are four and three. The predict- predicted score of this game is fifty-two to twenty-two point four. Mm. So, although it's a massive spread, odds makers or bookmakers in Vegas say that Bama should cover. I'm not changing my pick. I'm sticking with with Auburn. It's a rivalry game. Uh, <laughs> so let's go. I just want to give you some insight. Yeah, I appreciate it. So let's go to the last game of the week for college. We've got number 13, Iowa State, uh, traveling to Texas, number 17, Texas. Texas is minus one. This is a very tough game to pick, but Mike, who are you taking? 
you know, I was thinking about this when it first popped up in the chat earlier on. Uh, it's really tough. I'm taking, I'm going to take Iowa State. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Iowa State's let me down this year. Hopefully, Matt Campbell and his boys come prepared. They haven't at times this year, but it seems like they've they figured it out. They figured something out at least. So hopefully, they'll come and win this game by one. Here's, here's the thing about Iowa State one. and Matt Campbell. This team, they're constantly jumping out at me, right? I mean, I'm not necessarily big on Iowa State, but it's it's almost like it's destiny. Every week, I gotta pick Iowa State or pick against them. Mm-hmm. I gotta. I have them show up, you know, in my betting apps. I have them show up on TV when I'm flipping through the channel, and I sure hope to God that Matt Campbell doesn't show up as the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines next year. <laughs> so. They were talking about fickle, but that's a different topic for a different day. Let's pivot into the NFL picks. All right. So we've got the Titans traveling to – the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts are minus three. This was a Thursday night matchup a couple weeks ago that the Colts won. Mike, who are you taking? I'm going to have to take the Colts. I think they're the real deal. I like them. The Titans are very good as well, but they're going to clash head-to-head, and I think if you're asking me which quarterback I'm taking, I'm taking Phillip Rivers over uh, – Tannehill. Tannehill. Yep. Oh, well, I'm going to go on the opposite end of the spectrum here. I'm going to take the Titans and Derrick Henry. As the season goes on, people get a little sore, and that guy is just a Mack truck that keeps coming, baby. Give me mm. Derrick Henry, the big man, plus the three, and the Titans plus the three. I'll take that to the you know, You know what, Byron? I'm actually going to change my pick. I want the Titans plus three. Yeah, you thought you were gonna pull away on that one. I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have sold it to you. Yeah. Uh, all right. So then let's go. Watch uh, us drop the game now. Watch us. Watch the Colts win at home. Hey, it is what it is. At least you don't pull ahead. Uh, let's move on. They did just beat the Packers there, but let's move on to the Cardinals. The Cardinals are minus two, traveling to New England to take on the Patriots. Who are you taking, Mike? I'm taking the Cardinals minus two. I have no faith in Cam Newton. I hear you. I'm right there with you. Something's yeah. going on with Cam Newton. I yeah, I'll tell you what what's going is. on. He's garbage. Uh, we don't have to get into it. That's a different topic for a different he's, day. I'll tell you what's going on. He's going to have a first-rate application to go work for waste management because he's a garbage truck, man. Yeah, all He's right. trash this year. All right. So He's done, Byron. He's going to have difficult time getting a job next year, too. I'm just letting you know ahead of time. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But I'm taking the Cardinals minus two. Uh, let's move on here. Our last game of the week, we've got the Kansas City Chiefs minus three and a half, uh, traveling to Tampa Bay to take on Tom Brady and those Buccaneers. Mike, who are you taking? Hold on one second. I just got some breaking news. Adam Schefter. <laughs> this Justin, Cam Newton signs five-year deal with the Ralph Lauren company. <laughs> For the 2021 and 22 season. Oh, God. Good old Mike. <laughs> so, Mike, who, who are you taking in this game? Let's go. Um, I am taking the Chiefs minus three and a half. Tom Brady is scaring me. He's on five touchdowns the past couple weeks. He's not looking good. And watching the Chiefs game, you know, against the Raiders the other night, I'm so sold on the Chiefs. I think the Steelers got a shot to beat him, but I'm still so sold on the Chiefs yeah. to go back to the Super Bowl. 
Very interesting. Uh, so I'm, as I stated, week one, I'm taking the Chiefs all year. Uh, so going back to the well again, Chiefs minus the three and a half. Um, so now our lock of the week. I've been on the struggle bus of late. I got out to a hot 4-0 start. I've been 1-5 since, hoping to get back on the good foot right now. Um, I'm going to take the Dolphins against the winless Jets. The Dolphins are minus 7, so taking them on the road, uh, traveling to New York, taking them minus the 7. Very physical football team. I don't know if the Jets are willing to do that. Plus, the Jets have thrived on throwing deep balls, and the Dolphins have two of the best corners in the game. So going to take the Dolphins there minus the 7 and feel good, sleep like a baby. I hope you've learned your lesson. What is that, Mike? Not to take not, the Patriots to, to or not, the Eagles? No, to not get cocky because the 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 betting gods and the football gods can be very unforgiving. I mean, you were on fire dating back to last year, lightning rod, you know, <laughs> and there's a reason they call it Byron's lock of the week, not locks of the week. You know, it's not plural. And when you started doing that, you hit the stretch. But I'm confident, people, that with this pick, because I like it a lot, I love it actually, that Byron's going to regain his form down the stretch here. So you should not hesitate at all to throw a big C note on the Dolphins minus seven. Yeah, I feel good about it. I'm going to take him to the bank here, feeling great. I haven't felt great for a while about my my lock of the week, and that's not a lock. There's been a lot of tough games to pick lately. I'm going to be honest with you. There haven't been many locks. There's a lot of matchups that have had the possibility of going either way, and that happens every single year at this time when it comes to football. You know, now we're getting down the stretch. We're finding out who's a pretender, who's a you know a contender. And uh, Byron, I think you're coming out into the clear here. Yeah, I'm feeling good heading to the last stretch run here, but we'll see how things play themselves out. Still got a long way to go, another month plus. So, uh, but for this week, we're taking the Dolphins minus seven. Um, so, Mike, let's get ready to sail sail off here. Call the night. It's been great to be on this podcast with you. Uh, you can tell the listeners where they can find us and take us out of here. But I just want to thank you all for tuning in. Uh, when you see the podcast posted, uh, share it, tag, tag a friend, tell a friend to tell a friend. If you don't like it, someone else will. I love you. And we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. So if you guys want to listen to the front porch tailgate, you can check us out. We're available on any major platform. We've been having some technical difficulties with the Apple platform the past few weeks, but we're going to get that squared away for all you listeners out there. Also, make sure you go head over to anchor.fm and look for the Front Porch Tailgate there. You can actually uh, contribute to the podcast uh, via voice message or financially. Either way, we'd love to accept your support. And uh, also make sure you stay tuned for all the latest episodes. Hit the notification bell in your desired platform so that way you're alerted every time a new episode of the front porch tailgate drops with that being said i'm michael scott and i'm byron hazley and you've been listening to the front porch tailgate have a great weekend happy thanksgiving happy thanksgiving be blessed